What a great way to wake up. With a cup of logic, reason, and common sense. Welcome to the Independence Morning View. Let's get to it. Good morning to you wherever you are in the world. I'm Johnny Anderson. I'm joined this morning by Bruce Adams. Good morning, Bruce. How are you this morning? Good morning. Uh, healthy and alive. Yeah. Yourself? Uh, I'm not doing too bad. So what would you like to jump into this morning? What What do you have? Um, I don't, I mean, do we want to jump headlong back into coronavirus? Uh, they're talking oh. about second lockdowns. Oh. Yeah. Second lockdowns? Okay, they um, did. Let, let's talk. I tell you what, there, there was something I there was something I found yesterday. We briefly talked about it. We briefly mm-hmm. talked about it. This was out. This was coming out of New York, and I had mentioned it. It was yesterday. It was right on the end of the podcast. We really didn't have a lot of time left, so I wanted to talk about it now. I guess is a good time. New York City eateries will be allowed to charge a ten percent COVID nineteen fee under a bill passed by the city council. They're saying that this bill is fundamentally about saving the restaurant industry. So here's the question. Is the 10% COVID-19 fee going to be non-taxable? No. Well, it, then it's gonna, not, about saving, know, it's not about saving the restaurant industry, then is it? If it no. if it's not something that goes to the business, but then you're, you're having the government mandate that you pay a 10% fee on your bill to save the business? Uh, I, I'm not I'm not sure how I feel about that. Well, uh, we've seen this in, what was it, New Jersey? I'm wanting to say New Jersey did the millionaire tax. Uh, it's one of those northeastern states that are doing a millionaire tax. So in, in in comparison to what New York's doing, I you know, they like their taxes. I wouldn't I wouldn't think that the 10 percent uh, uh, fee there. Uh, yeah, it, it'll be taxed. My, my next question is, is are they open fully? Like, can you have 100 percent capacity indoors? Are they able to go full open? No. Then uh, why don't you why don't you work on that instead of doing the covid fee? That you're probably going to tax. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, they're, they're talking about, are they still talking about the 4,000 cops, like the 4,000 officer task force for social distancing in restaurants? Uh, I heard about it and I haven't heard or seen anything else on it. My my guess is they're probably still working on doing that. Okay. Well, let me see here. It says that uh, despite New York's uh, New Yorkers streaming out of the city because of COVID-19, they're not streaming out of the city because of COVID-19. They're streaming out of the city because you won't open the city because of this, this garbage. Like they're not they're not leaving the city because of the virus. They're leaving the city because of your attitude towards this nonsense and soaring crime rates. Not, yeah. Yeah. Well, that too. Jeez. Soaring crime rates. Well, uh, why are the crime rates being uh, uh, being? Excuse me. Why are the crime rates soaring? You're cutting a billion dollars from the NYPD. What, what do you think is going to happen? So uh, under a new bill passed on Wednesday by the city council, New York, uh, New York restaurants will be allowed to add up to 10, a 10 percent charge onto customers tabs. The bill passed 46 to 2, 46 to 2. The fee won't be mandatory and it can be any amount up to 10 percent of a food and drink bill. Restaurants permission to charge the fee will expire 90 days after the state allows full occupancy of eateries, which will probably be never. Restaurant bills will have to be explicit about the amount of the charge and its purpose. Food trucks and restaurants that are part of national chains with 15 or more outlets will not be allowed to charge the fee. Uh-huh. So so 
let me get this straight. The guy that's in the middle of uh, 34th and Broadway who owns a food cart, and that's all he has, he's not allowed to, to add a little bit extra to help save his business? Is that what it comes down to? They, they can't do that? Now, I mean, I, I've eaten from several food carts in New York, and I tell you what, that's, that's some of the best food there. I'm not joking. That's some of the best food up there. If you want to eat the best in New York, go to a food cart. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. And those people work hard. That, that's a really good question, actually. What's happened with the food cart vendors in all this? Are they allowed to be open? I mean, they technically are outdoor dining, technically. I mean, you don't eat there. You get your, you know, your hot dog or, or whatever, and you go and you move on. So, that, I mean, that's a good question. What happened to the food cart vendors in all this? Are they allowed to operate? You can't properly, you can't properly social, socially distance. So, I mean. It's on a sidewalk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you can't. Well, you, you have to get close to them to, to get your meal from them, you know. So you're breaking the distance there unless they have some kind of like extension or something. You know, honestly, I don't know. My, I, I suspect they aren't doing well because uh, you, you've seen the, the, the videos we've seen out of uh, what was Fifth Avenue. It was a ghost town. There was barely anyone there. And it, it was, man, that was crazy seeing that. It, it was nobody. There, there's not anybody in, in the middle of Midtown. I mean, Manhattan's a ghost town. You, I mean, we did yeah. something on the uh, the new skyscraper that they just opened down there. There's no one there. There's no one there. And yeah. more than that, there's not anyone that is going to an office there, largely. And the ones that are, are going to an office, they're packing up and they're leaving. They don't have to be in an office anymore. And I was talking to somebody the other day that just moved across the country, just moved across the country to take a new job before COVID. And you know what they were told just the other day? You don't have to be there anymore. You just moved across country. Now you don't have to be there anymore. It's insane. It's insane. So they say the uh, again, like the fun, the bill's fundamentally about saving the restaurant industry. We're trying to give restaurants the option of adding surcharge to customers uh, to let their customers know they need to raise a little bit more money to make their ends meet. Well, why don't you just raise the cost of you? I mean, the stuff that you do. I mean, that's, I, I get that. But I mean, they have to stay open. I mean, they have to do business if they want to stay open. I mean, I'm sorry, they, they have to raise prices, but you really don't want to raise prices. See, they've really put the business in a hard in between a rock and a hard place. Like, seriously, instead of just doing what they need to do. And, and I keep I keep harping on this, thinking that they're going to somehow see the light. People don't understand. These people hate business. That That's what it comes down to in in all this. They don't want business. They don't want commerce. That's it. They don't want capitalism. These people are at war against that system. They don't want things to open. If you somehow think that they're just magically going to wake up, I'm talking about de Blasio and Cuomo. If they're going to somehow magically just wake up and, and put the businesses back at full capacity, you're insane. These people are at war with businesses. This is economic warfare. That's what all this is. Uh, apparently, this is a way to try and salvage what's left of the uh, the restaurant industry up there. And it's... Um, you know, we heard from we heard from what was the the owner of the uh, um, uh, the Bryant Park Grill. What did he say? He said New York's not even a place to do business anymore. So, I mean, why why would you why would you stay there? People are leaving. They're moving, uh, and and they're uh, they're not coming back. So, I I don't know. I, I don't know. Is this the death of the cities? Is is that what it is? Are, are we seeing the death of the cities? Is this what they're going to do? So we leave the cities. Our people leave the cities, and then the corporations go in there, buy it up for pennies on the dollar. And the reason I say that is because there was a um, there was some prime real estate. I think there was a like a loft penthouse in the Upper West Side of Manhattan that was I want to say it was fifty million dollars pre COVID. That's why that's what it was for sale for, and it just sold the other day for fifteen million. You know these um, that <laughs> the the regulation they are or allowing that extra fee. That's typical Democrat thinking, by the way. 
So instead of thinking about, you know, business, what, what would be best for the business? Less regulation, right? That's, that's the conservative route. So instead of going the conservative route and allowing the business to open up, they decided we're going to add another tax on top of it. That'll fix the problem. More taxes. Never works. Never works. Are these people from California? I mean, that's kind of what I'm taking away here. I mean, it's, that's what they seem to try and fix everything with out there is just more taxes. New York City's preparing for a second wave. Isn't that what you said? Yeah, New York is um, not only just New York. There's a lot of countries uh, over in Europe that are also doing it. The UK is looking at uh, possibly a second sh- shutdown. We, we talked about it with Israel. Um, yeah. You know why, Hungary. right? Why? Cold and flu season's coming. Happens every year. Yeah. 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 And the, the, the current rates that we have right now of people being hospitalized for uh, influenza type symptoms, right? Um, we're down to like 1.6% per, 1. of all ER visits are related to that. So they're saying that New York City is preparing for a second wave with a chance to blunt the worst. Now, do you notice that everything that's happening in California with the wildfires, and I'm making the cross reference here because of because it's relevant. They're saying everything out there is man-made climate change, right? That, that's what it is. There, there's no denying it. It's a consensus. This is clear. And, and this is how it is, right? Isn't that what Newsom's saying? Yeah. And what are they doing? They're arresting people left and right all the way out. There. And I'm not talking about left and right as an ideological standpoint. They're arresting people all over the place for starting these fires. They're, they're starting these fires on purpose. Now, is that to say that all of them are being started that way? No. But a goodly percentage of them, I would argue, are being done on purpose. I mean, that's a culmination of a lot of things out there. It's not just people that are doing it on purpose. It's also, I mean, they're, they're out of control because none of that underbrush has been cleared for, what, 30 years now? So, I mean, what do you expect? Because, you know, we have sacred leaves or, or whatever. You know, that's that's what we have out there. So we can't disturb it. But they're preparing for a second wave. Okay. Now, and the reason I'm making this reference is because those wildfires on the West Coast are as much about man-made climate change as a second wave is for COVID. Okay. There's as much relevance there in each one of those things. This is nonsense. This is cold and flu season coming up. This is normal. Same thing with hurricanes. Same comparison here. It's not man-made climate change. There's not a debate is settled argument on it. This is cold and flu season. What what have I been saying here for months? They're holding the second wave agenda. They're holding that card for cold and flu season. There is no second wave. It's cold and flu season. And that piggybacks on something we saw yesterday. I just I caught this as we were just scrolling through some stuff. And what was it? Measures to control the coronavirus have brought brought flu infections to historic lows. I've seen some of these charts and graphs talking about uh, the COVID infection rates here in the U.S. And some of the the examples that I've seen. (laughs) So they've they've charted out all the information that's come from CDC and everything and put it in a graph. You're able to see places that have like these really strict lockdowns, mass mandates, all that kind of stuff. California, you know, that's an example. New York, their case numbers are still rising in some places like I think it was Hawaii. Hawaii had like this sharp uptick. It was like almost a 90 degree angle. It was like 85 degrees or so. It just went straight up. The places that have been open the entire time with either no mass mandate or very lenient mass mandates, uh, their numbers have progressively been going down or are stable and steady. They haven't gone up or down. So kind of, I don't know, kind of seems like Letting everybody have, you know, go back to business and, and you know, opening things back up and everything is safe. I mean, it's kind of like the flu. And the longer this goes on, this is something they haven't told us. The longer this flu goes on and the longer we're exposed to this, 
the more every time it mutates, it's going to mutate itself down. It's not going to increase. It's not going to become more deadly because the virus wants to stay alive, right? The virus wants to keep progressing. If it becomes more deadly, how does the virus transmit itself to another uh, host when the, the first host is dead? It, it, so, so for example, that's why you don't see things like Ebola. Ebola wasn't very transmutable. It was, you know, it was difficult to transmute, right? Well, yeah, you had when to it's a higher transmutation be in contact rate, with somebody. Yeah, well, yeah, their fecal matter or urine. Um, or that sweat, was how you transmit it. Or, yeah, I don't know about sweat, but yeah. Either way, point is, it was difficult to transmit that one, whereas COVID, it, it's going to get progressively more and more like a cold. It's going to be less and less deadly. And that's what the data is showing right now is the people that are catching it, it's, it's, it's weakening over time. It's going to continue that way until finally it's just another common cold. It's just something we're going to deal with and it's going to be minor. You mentioned something there about mask wearing. I mean, that seems to be the trend now, right? Oh, yeah, masks. Yeah, they help. They prevent it. Yeah, isn't that what we're being mm-hmm. told? Yeah. In the beginning, yeah. see, they were honest with everybody. Look, these things don't work. Don't don't go out there and buy all this stuff up. Let the medical people have them. They were honest with people. And then they decided, oh, whoa, no, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We can use that. I want you to listen for me, if you will. The CDC director, Robert Redfield, on masks. Now, this is this is six months ago. Six months ago. Long before we had any of these mask mandates or any of this garbage, right? Long before that. I want you to listen to what he had to say. He's sitting in front of Congress right now, testifying before a House Foreign Affairs subcommittee. So I want you to hear this on masks. Should you wear a mask if you're healthy? No. I I rest my case. I I rest my case. And I think you rest your case as well. Yeah. That was, by the way, that was the CDC director. um, Was it Radcliffe? Redford, Robert Redford, six months ago, Redford. six months ago, when they were discussing the whole mask thing in that in that <laughs> testimony, should healthy people wear masks? No. So why are we doing it? I, I'm well, not I'm not going to get too I'm not going to get too deep into this because. Yeah. Go, go ahead. And make your point. Go ahead. And make your point. Well, I was just going to point out what, what they're saying now. We, we just heard the, the bit about the, the masks. They don't work for if you're healthy. Right. You shouldn't wear them. Uh, now he's saying the same CDC director, that the mask is more effective at protecting you from COVID-19 than the vaccine. Tell me this isn't political. No, seriously, tell, tell me that this is not political. Tell, tell me it's not. We discussed... Yeah, we, we discussed... Uh, well, yeah, you would. We, we discussed the um, the sinister agenda behind mask wearing. We did a podcast called... Or we, we did a podcast called uh, Real Science or a Real Cult. And we talked about the symbolic side of uh, what it is to uh, wear a mask on things. So I would advise you, if you're a new listener, I know we've been picking those up. If you're a new listener, please go back and give that a uh, give that a listen and you'll get our take on what we believe it was. Now, that wasn't really our opinion. That was based on everything we've seen. And we were also referencing a chart from Amnesty International that they had put together back in the 60s, I believe. Uh, it was Albert Biederman's chart of coercion. And see, that's just it. They need obedience. That, that's what it is. They, they need obedience in all this. And that's that's where it comes in. It's it's not about protecting you. They don't give a damn at the end of the day, whether you stay protected or not. They don't care. But they said yesterday, uh, uh, mind you, this is too good, right? Measures to control coronavirus have brought flu infections to historic lows. We know why they've been brought to historic lows, because you haven't been counting them. They quit counting the flu deaths months ago. They quit counting them. Lockdowns and protective measures like widespread wearing a face mask. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. 
as a result of the coronavirus pandemic, have driven down influenza infections to record lows, according to the CDC. That's the same CDC, by the way, that just came out that the director of it just came out, came out six months ago and said, should healthy people wear a mask? No. But then then, as you pointed out, he's he's recently come out now and he said, yeah, it'll protect you more than the vaccine. Which one is it? Let's I tell you what, let, we've got that clip, right? We, we have that clip. Let's um, let's go to that clip. Again, CDC director Robert Redfield. This is recently. This is two days ago. Oh, my goodness. Two days ago. All right. I'm not going to comment directly about the president, but I am going to comment as the CDC director that uh, uh, face masks, these face masks are the most important, powerful public health tool we have. And I will continue to appeal for all Americans, all individuals in our country, to embrace these face coverings. I've said it. If we did it for six, eight, 10, 12 weeks, we'd bring this pandemic uh, under control. These actually, we have clear scientific evidence. They work and they are our best defense. I might even go so far as to say that this face mask is more guaranteed to protect me against COVID than when I take a COVID vaccine because the immunogenicity may be 70%. And if I don't get an immune response, the vaccine is not going to protect me. This face mask will. So I do want to keep asking the American public to take the responsibility, particularly the 18 uh, to 25 year olds, where we're seeing the outbreak in America continue to go like this because we haven't got the acceptance, the personal responsibility that we need for all Americans to embrace this face mask. Mr. Redford, how about you wear it yourself? And I hope you choke on it. Right. That's what I have to say. The 18 to 25 demographic. Do you know why you're seeing a rampant spike in the 18 to 25 demographic? Because they don't give a damn because they're out there burning the streets down. They don't care about any of this stuff. And neither neither does he at the end of the day. Why the change of heart? Why why the change of heart and all that? I mean, do we need to say it? Yeah, it's all because of the World Economic Forum Agenda 2030. Yeah, it all fits the narrative. It all fits the narrative. Th- this guy's not a medical professional. He's a politician. That's that's what. It, uh, when was the last time? Is this guy even a doctor? Has he even seen a patient? Is that is that even possible? I, I like how he says we have clear scientific evidence that they work, but yet he's not holding up any research referencing any of it. You notice that he's just saying it. The research we've seen on this recently it says that the the masks that work are only the N95s. Everything else doesn't work, and that's not even a guarantee. Is he a doctor? Uh, yeah, he's a doctor. Yeah. Okay. All right. When's the last time he saw a patient? Twenty years ago. Is he like another Fauci? Good question. Which hey, uh, Fauci? Where is Fauci? Where is Fauci? I haven't seen him in the last few days. He's gone. He's he's been out there a few times. Uh, he's not been obviously. He and Burks are doing their rounds and doing their interviews and stuff, but they're not at the you know White House press conferences or any of those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I say that I think he may have been on one recently. Yeah, well, anyway, yeah, I hope he stays gone. But anyway, okay, so they're saying that the authors of the study urge such measures to remain in place in order to keep the flu from returning. Uh, now, you see this? Uh, you notice how it's just a little bit more? It's a carrot in the stick, which we described in uh, Real Science or Real Call. It's a carrot in the stick. Do this, and then you get this. Move over here, because this is where we need you to go. That's what everything is with this. Oh, uh, if you wear this mask, then this is not only going to protect against coronavirus, but it's also going to protect against the flu, which we're still dealing with from 100 years ago. It's not going to go away until we decide that it goes away. I, I said this the other day when we were talking about how to how to push back against this peacefully, right? Peacefully. How, how do we push back against this? It's simple. You live your life like you did before. 
It's that simple. It's really that simple. I wish it was more complicated than that, to be fair, but it's not. It's really that. It's, you know what? I'm not wearing this damn thing. I'm going to open my business. Come arrest me. Come arrest me. Bring your bring your goons, bring your dogs, whatever. Come arrest me and bring the news cameras too, because I want everybody to see it. We have to wear a mask. We can't go to church, but you can go torch a business. On top of that, we've talked about the masks, the N95s, looking at those. We've talked about how effective they are versus viruses. Viruses are typically 0.1 microns in size. The mask only uh, protects you against 0.3 microns. Mm-hmm. The virus is going to go straight through the mask. No problem. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm getting too worked up, so I, th- I think we're going to have to punch out of here. Today, we're going back to revisit some uh, digital dark age stuff. We're going to be talking about smartphones. We're going to be talking about Facebook, social media companies. We're going to be talking various forms of information control and geofencing. That's going to be interesting. Join us later on today for another uh, installment of the Digital Dark Age. Thank you for sitting down this morning, Bruce. Thank you to all the listeners. For all these topics and more, please check us out later on this afternoon. And I hope everyone has a great morning.